Welcome to the Center for the Performing Arts at Penn State. I'm Communications Director Laura Sullivan, and you're in tune with Previews. Itzhak Perlman, the most famous violinist in the world, performs in recital with pianist Rowan Da Silva at Eisenhower Auditorium on Thursday, September 27th. The Israeli-born violinist, winner of 15 Grammy and four Emmy Awards, returns to Penn State for the first time in 14 years. Previews editor John Raffis talked by phone with Perlman about everything from his love of baseball to his passion for teaching. After listening, you'll know why his virtuosity, charm, and humanity endear the classical music superstar to audiences everywhere. You won your most recent Grammy, I believe, with the Boston Symphony Orchestra, and you'll be performing with them tonight. Mm-hmm. Is that allowed uh, for a Yankees fan to uh, perform with the Boston <laughs> Orchestra? <laughs> well, I'm not a Yankees fan. I, I used to be. I'm basically a Mets fan. Oh, you've switched your allegiances, I see. I switched a long time ago. <laughs> oh, well, now, look, I'm a New York fan, but if it was between the Yankees and the Mets, I would probably root for the Mets. So I understand that you have really taken up conducting and and teaching as well as your performing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that a blessing or a curse? No, it's actually uh, it's great. I mean, uh, the what what first of all what it does is that it gives me much more variety in my musical life. Um, with the conducting, obviously, um, uh, different repertoire. Um, and with the teaching, of course, I've been teaching for years, uh, and, uh, and it's just that it's become more intense in the last 13, 14 years. Um, but, you know, uh, when you teach uh, you, others, you you cannot avoid by, but to teach yourself. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, what happens is that everything is intertwined, um, and so the conducting helps the playing, the playing helps the conducting, the teaching helps everything. So I I find that uh, those extra activities are actually, uh, to put it in your words, a, a real blessing. Uh, it's it's just uh, makes uh, my musical experiences much more interesting and much more complete. I uh, have read a little bit about the Perlman Music Program that you and your mm-hmm. wife Toby founded in the mid-90s, mm-hmm. I believe. I read somewhere that, that she said that one of the reasons why she wanted to help launch that was because you had lost some of the joy in your life and, and needed to be rejuvenated. Is is that a fair assessment? Well, not not exactly. You know, that <laughs> I haven't lost the joy. Yeah, but the thing is that, uh, but every, no, no, she, she found it because it was her, her dream to to um, to uh, start something that would be uh, the most nourishing, nurturing, uh, uh, and uh, and to have a philosophy about teaching. You know, she always had this dream because we met it, uh, both. You know, she and I met at at a camp uh, with some similarities, mm-hmm. similar one, and she was always. Uh, saying, you know, if I could only start something myself and take all the good things and keep out all the bad things and, you know, try and make it sort of an ideal an ideal uh, experience for young people. And so uh, the thing is that, of course, the byproduct of that um, 
you know, uh, program was uh, my teaching with more intensity, uh, as well as actually that's how I started to conduct seriously. You know, I mean, I right. I, I was not ever uh, even contemplating doing any conducting before that. And uh, one of the things that the camp has is that it has, uh, well, I should call it camp, should call it a program. It has uh, obviously a string orchestra made out of all the participants in the program. And so my wife asked me whether I would coach them. And, you know, coaching was really a code word for conducting. And um, so I, you know, I did not feel that I had any pressure, you know, because it was under the heading of teaching. So I tried to do that, and I got some very, very good results. And that's how my, you know, I started to think more seriously about trying to conduct uh, professional orchestras. And that's, and the rest is uh, very, very, a very, very happy experience. Do you find yourself, you know, thinking back on your own training when you were that age and, and trying to make the experience different for children today? Or do you draw on things and think, you know, I liked how certain things went when I was learning? Well, my, my, my uh, you know, the philosophy of the program basically is um, to reduce any semblance of uh, competition. That's number one between the kids you know i mean uh, we feel that the kids should be uh, loyal to each other they should be good colleagues to each other they should support each other the thing that i'm thinking about when i was growing up is again the what is kind of uh, what kind of uh, teaching is um a teaching that really supports the student and that's what we try to do we try to support the students in not only one student to another student but of course faculty to students um, the the style of the teaching is is what uh, I'm very uh, you know interested in and the style is basically a nurturing style a style that's not um, uh, that's not uh, uh, something that uh, would be uh, hurtful mm -hmm. to the kids, you know, um, and that's really sometimes, you know, teachers, you hear teachers giving kids hell, you know, <laughs> and, and they think that it's, quote, good for them. Mm -hmm. We don't believe in that. I'm about 15 years your junior, and I, I certainly grew up in an era when if if you were asked to name a classical musician, I think probably most people would, would name you because you were you were sort of always there. You were on TV, you were, mm -hmm. you know, the, mm -hmm. the smiling face and the, and the ever-present force. Is that something that you enjoyed and cultivated that you, you wanted to be sort of the, the classical musician for the masses, or did it just sort of work out that way? <laughs> it, it, well, I enjoyed it, but it worked out that way. Uh, I had always, you know, and I always still do, you know, I have, I enjoy um, the media, and, and, I, and I feel that, that television uh, and radio, obviously, um, uh, are and right now, you know, with the internet that's coming up, it's 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 you've got the exposure is really so important for for uh, you know for the arts right. and uh, in general and for classical music in particular. Uh, it's uh, it's what people uh, you know uh, are uh, exposed to is what will give them the knowledge and the and the way of of you know just like we, everybody's talking about. Uh, uh, how large is the audience uh, these days, and that it's uh, that it's um, uh, shrinking. And I feel that the more 
exposure there is from the media, the better it is for, for the audience. I certainly think that um, you know the audience may be shrinking in in some ways, but for musicians like you and and perhaps the Yo Yo Ma's of the world who are not just playing classical music but are playing uh, music across genres and and expanding the boundaries of classical, I think that is thriving, um, mm-hmm. which which should probably be telling something to the other classical musicians who aren't doing that. <laughs> One of your most recent. Uh, documentaries um, for PBS was Fiddling for the Future, where you were actually, um, it was profiling the Perlman music program, and and you also um, had Perlman in Shanghai, where you uh, visited China. China is very much in the the headlines these days, especially because they're going to have the Olympics um, next year, and and also for for other less pleasant reasons about uh, health concerns. But what was that experience like, and and, you know, what, what is the musical culture like in China, and where do you think it's going we had a, a very very interesting experience what we did is we took uh, 30 of our kids and, and we went to the to shanghai and we worked with the kids there 30 of the kids in shanghai through the shanghai conservatory and so and we basically did the same program that we do in uh, in Shelter Island, mm-hmm. uh, which was you know practice in the morning, chamber music, uh, chorus, and orchestra. Um, what I found at, the, at least at that time fascinating was that the so the ch- the chamber music was not uh, on the front of their their, their front burners mm-hmm. in China. You know they they basically uh, concentrated more on. Uh, Solo playing, and uh, and there were a lot of kids there. And of course, in China, that you have most kids are only only children, mm-hmm. uh, because you can't have uh, right more. because of the laws. Yes. Yeah. So so every every kid was quote very special, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we basically you know I think if there is anything that I can say speci- uh, you know that was special about our visit there is that we really exposed them to you know to the importance. Of chamber music, mm-hmm. uh, because as far as I'm concerned, chamber music, uh, when it comes to being a, a performing artist, whether you are a chamber music um, player, whether you are a soloist, or whether you play in an orchestra, chamber music is the most important element in your in your musical education and your background, because chamber music basically has everything that you need to be a good musician. Uh, specifically, you have to listen to other people play. Mm-hmm. You have to see what they're doing. You have to breathe together right. while you're doing that. You have to figure out, you know, you have to actually listen always to what goes on around you. I, I know people who will say to me, you know, why do you go to chamber music concerts? You know, aren't you, don't you find that boring? And I'm like, actually, I find it fascinating to be there in person because for me... You know, I love to listen to the music, but I get so much more out of it watching because you do see that that single breathing living organism. That's and and when a when a chamber ensemble is particularly great, you just you see that rapport flowing through them. It's almost you know palpable. Um, the musicians yes, working together. You're totally correct, and also as it happens, the uh, you know great composers. You know, we're talking about. Mozart and Haydn and Schumann and Schubert and Brahms and Mendelssohn, I would say that probably in Beethoven, their most successful and the most the greatest works that they wrote was for chamber music groups. Right. 
you know so i mean i mean it's it's uh, when you think about you know bartok the 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 quartets uh, uh late beethoven quartets any of the quartets of beethoven's uh, jewels of 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 quartets of 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 mozart uh, uh you know haydn it's it's all in the the finest examples of 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 these composers' works right. is is in their chamber music output, so so it's it's not only uh, uh, an interesting uh, uh, musical experience, but it's also a, a great one because of of the material. So when you come to Penn State, you're going to be um, performing along with your longtime colleague Rowan De Silva, right? The pianist who also is on the faculty at Juilliard and is a Juilliard graduate. Um, what does he What does he bring to the equation that you wouldn't have otherwise? Well, you basically, when you perform with a pianist, it, it's a it's a it's a collaborative experience, you know, and and the. the as I said, you know, the pieces that you play, there's no such thing as far as I'm concerned as accompanying, uh, as an accompanying thing. Everything right. is, for me, uh, has the flavor of chamber music. Right. Uh, so, and of course, in the sonatas repertoire, it's, it's, a, it's an equal kind of thing, you know, and a lot of the sonatas, you know, the Beethoven sonatas, when you look at the, at the uh, editions, it's a sonatas for piano and violin not violin and piano mm-hmm. so it, uh, and of course uh, a lot of the Mozart sonatas are very very much piano works and sometimes with violin obligato and accompaniment so so of course it's extremely important to have a, a, a pianist that would have rapport with you and that would know what you're going to do and that you can move together uh, seamlessly you know and and if something changes or something becomes you know if you want to you know uh, have a variation in some musical idea that your partner would be there with you you know to to do it and to anticipate what you do so that's mm-hmm. very important you've anyway. been um, in some ways a role model for people with physical uh, challenges and and I think you you embrace that is that is that something that you like to well, be known I do. for having, yeah, you know. I, yeah, yeah. In other words, I, I I do everything by example, and uh, and you know, and and I always say, you know, that you have to separate your abilities from your disabilities. Right. You know, so you know, one has nothing to do with the other. When, if you're good at something, you know, uh, uh, a disability doesn't doesn't play any part. Right. You know, so uh, that's what I try to do, and uh, hopefully, people will. Uh, you know, recognize that, and, and so on. As a matter of fact, sometimes you know, people say to me, you know, sometimes they see me for the first time on stage. You know, and they said, "Oh, what happened to him?" Because <laughs> they, you know, it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right, right. Um, yeah, you you had polio when you were really pretty little, weren't you? Yeah, I was four. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And and when did you when did you start living full time in the United States? Was it when you were a teen? I came I came uh, to the states in 1958. You know, for, for the Ed Sullivan the show. The Ed Sullivan show. Yeah, right. Well, that must have been culture shock coming from such a little. Country. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> Television for the first time. Wow. Telephone for the first time. Wow. Can you imagine that? That's... You know, because at that time in Israel, you know, we didn't have a lot of, you know, there were phones, but not uh, in the houses. You know, you were, that... you were a young country with an ancient tradition. That's right. That's right. Well, we're glad you came and we're glad you stayed. Tickets are on sale now for violinist Itzhak Perlman with pianist Rowan Da Silva, Thursday, September 27th at Penn State's Eisenhower Auditorium. 
Purchase online at www.cpa.psu.edu or by phone at 1-800-ARTS-TIX. For the Center for the Performing Arts, I'm Laura Sullivan. <music>